Welcome to All Things Money. Yes, we have an exciting new episode for you today. Today's episode is called Money Reapers. Woo, that sounds scary. It's getting close to Halloween. You know Halloween is next month. You know that. Well, let me explain. I thought about the Grim Reaper. That came up in my thoughts. I know. Normal thoughts, Grim Reaper. And what's a Grim Reaper for those who don't know? Well, someone, there's two, there are two, two camps of thoughts here. One says a Grim Reaper uh, comes to collect your soul. And the other camp says he comes to kill you and takes your soul. Now, I don't know which one you want, but in either case, it's not good, okay? The Grim Reaper was also called the angel of death. And you, you, you notice death is the operative word here. So your money, your bank account, your investments, your future are being killed by the money reapers in life. There's a whole lot of them, but we're going to deal with like about 10 of them today. So, and some big ones. Okay, there's more. There's more. Always opportunity to waste your money. That's right. And to not make wise decisions. Now, say, who are you to say? Well, it's up to you. Are you meeting your goals? If what you're doing today is working, then go for it. But let's talk about the first money reaper. Over paying for a car. Well, don't I need a car? Don't I need a car, Michael? Well, yes, you probably do. To get around, go to school, go to work, go to wherever you go. Uh, when I was 16, 17, got an old little crappy card and got cars over time. Every so often, my last purchase was five years ago, just over five. So buying a car in and of itself is not a bad thing. But let's put it in context. That's the only reason why we're here, right? Put it in context. Context is, are you spending X percentage of your annual income on this wonderful car, car of yours? For example, what's too many? What's too much? Perhaps 50% of your income that goes for a car? The car may be of your dreams. Maybe the car of your nightmare, depending on your situation. So if you're getting a loan, putting small down or no down, and for something that consumes half of your income, may not be the best decision you ever made. Now, should you buy new or used? Should you buy or lease? Whole another two or three shows right in there. Now, I know there's some advocates on one extreme says, all leases are bad. They don't care. Just bad. I don't know how, if that's true. Maybe there's a good lease somewhere out there. So I won't totally slam the door on that. But I'm a buyer, so I, I never really cared for leases. Almost did it once. Especially people do leases when they don't have enough, enough money, sufficient money for a down payment. And it's understandable. You need a car now. I get it. But again, what are the terms of that lease? Think, think screwdriver. Is that happening, about to happen to you? You really need to weigh the pros and cons and use, of course, the 
the registration fees and all the annual fees are less money on a used car plus as you know a car devaluates it it is reduced in value each month each year goes by it's not the same car it really isn't as soon as you drive it off the lot it already is depreciating okay so you really have to weigh what's my debt current debt situation debt to income ratio at this point is it too high I have four times the amount of debt as I have income. You have to really think about this. How much leverage you already have, liabilities, credit cards, student loans, and other stuff you may be wasting your money on. You have to take it into consideration, your world. What is does your world look like with this car? Moving on to another big purchase, a house. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve a house. I know you say that, and that's good. That's good, I understand. But can you afford it? And by the way, I have, uh, there's another podcast uh, we have, uh, Should You Rent or Buy? Please listen to All Things Money. And listen to that podcast, please. Goes more in depth. And so, can you afford the maintenance, the cost of repairs, ongoing costs? See, the house purchase just doesn't stop when you sign a mortgage and you hand over down payment and you take possession of the house. It's forever till you either die or pay it off. And even after you pay it off, there's still repair and maintenance forever. Man, that's kind of negative. It's just what it is. It's a positive or negative. It's negative if you don't have the money, because you're going to be in trouble. If something happens to that roof and you don't have money, it's raining. Yes, it's going to rain one day, wherever you live, with minor exceptions. So, what's the rule of thumb? Well, it's all over the place, but typically a third of your uh, monthly gross income, let's say 28%, 28% rule. So no, don't pay more than 20% of your monthly gross income. But let's say you have to pay 40, 50, 60% of your monthly gross income. That can land you in foreclosure, folks. Bankruptcy. That's right, 60-70%. You're a slave to your home. It's no longer that beautiful, wonderful thing anymore. You're a slave. You don't want to be a slave to debt. And let's talk about the 35% model, which I explained in the Rent versus Buy podcast, of all things money. Um, your total monthly debt should not be and this is pre-tax pre-tax income again let's say you earned i'm gonna give you a pay raise or a pay reduction depending on how much you make ten thousand a month multiply that times 0.35 thirty-five hundred dollars your total debt should not be more than that 
so he can be comfortable. Keep in mind, you can beat these numbers now, depending on the deal you have. Let's talk about after tax. Let's say you make 8,000 a month. It's a 45% model. Eight times 0.45 is 3,600. So your range is 3,500 to $3,600 in this example. And again, other things they look for is uh, debt to income ratio. If the debt is too high, it's a no-go, or you may have to pay more down or pay a higher interest rate. They look at the, uh, your uh, credit score and things of that nature. So next, wedding. It's your wedding, yes. I know some of you say, I will never get married the first time or the second time or the third time. It's understandable. A lot of them, as they say, this is not a show on weddings. Or, well, that would be a marriage. This is just the doors opening to the marriage. So, and I'm going to do a podcast on weddings versus marriage. Ooh, that should be exciting. That's Yeah, I'm going to do that. We're, we're going to do that. So, spending way more you can afford. This is the same argument on the car and the house. You have insufficient savings. You got to throw 10 grand, 20 grand on credit cards. For what? Oh, that's pretty cold. Isn't it our best day? Your best day is when you were born. That's your best day. Okay? And if you have children, that's your next best day. So, wedding's probably number three or four. Okay? That's my humble opinion. Maybe not so humble. So you want two, three, four hundred guests, but you can only afford 40 or 50 guests. But the pressure's on that everybody that you know in humanity is invited to this wonderful wedding of yours. So you're way off here. You can only afford 40, 50, 60, maybe 100, let's say, for the sake of argument. But the guest list on both sides approaches two to 300 plus. Gotta invite everyone from your job or they will be offended. Everybody you ever met on a doorstop, the post office, supermarket, grew up with, childhood. You, you're about to get a promotion or you want one, so you invite the whole floor at your job. And then you'll be spending 10, 20 years to pay this off. Right, really? 10, 20 years? Got to focus on the future, folks. The money reaper lies and kills and kills and lies. Your money steals your future, steals your future. So when you're planning your wedding, keep in mind the leading cause of divorce. Oh, man, already talking about divorce and prenup. Didn't say nothing about no prenup. <laughs> okay. Leading cause of divorce is money. Money issues, fights over money. Isn't that the irony? You spend all this money on a wedding and then you get married and you argue every day after the honeymoon phase wears out, whenever that is. When that big bill comes, that's when it goes. I thought you had the money. I thought you had the money. I only wanted 50 people. It was your idea, your family's idea to have 300. Well, why'd you stop it if you didn't like it? You see how that goes? Fights over money. Divorce time. True stories. Couple $40,000 in the hole, in the wedding hole. 
Get divorced one year later. But guess what, those vendors? I want my money, Chuck. Sorry, Chucks. I'm using your name. I want my money. Don't care. That's your problem. You got divorced. Want my money. So, anyway, see where that's going. And so, I want to address this in a uh, future podcast to just talk about weddings and marriage. So, spend more time and energy on the wedding and insufficient time on what are we going to do when we get married? How are we going to operate? You know, marriage is a business. So it's like a business, like a corporation. How are we going to operate? Who's going to pay this bill? Who's going to do this expense? What are we going to do? How many kids are we going to have? What religion? What this? How many cars? Where? Where? Geography. What kind of employment is going to support our dreams, our goals? Trying to please all these people in the wedding you don't really know or give a dang on and they don't you to come here to get your food, giving up your power, to everyone but the pocketbook who's paying for it those only ones should have a vote at most, at minimal so think about it think about it before you pledge your future for this wedding the cost of love I should title that the cost of love what's the cost of love Anyway, shopaholic, expensive clothes, jewelry, shoes, got to shop, 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 shopping, 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 buying, paying, spending, killing the future, killing the future. It's okay to shop, folks. I'm not saying that. You do what you want to do with your money. I'm just here. And by the way, this is not legal or uh, financial uh, advice. I'm just giving you my opinion. So I'm not licensed in those areas of law and accountancy and investment advisor, all that stuff. Nope, just edutainment. As seen on TV, it's not their fault. No one has a gun to anybody's head to say bye-bye, three of this, three of that. You know? And so, anyway... Have a budget. Ooh, that B word. Thought I was going to mention it. Yes, I mentioned it. Budget. You have to budget for X percent of your income. Non-essential. Most of this is non-essential. It's okay. You need clothes to live. Uh, but you don't need the latest, latest thing. Keeping up with the Joneses. Remember? Keeping up with the Joneses. Joneses got a bad name. That no, nothing wrong with Jones, but the expression says keeping up with the Joneses can use anybody's last name I have family that are Joneses and wonderful lovable people I love them so uh, but that's what the expression is called uh, keeping up with the Joneses anyway um, so just be careful with your debt and again divorce money just paying buying all these stuff things so um, and Leads to another, uh, the next one is dining out excessively. Um, hey, I just came back from dining out, okay? So uh, I'm not a hypocrite. I love dining out when I can, but we limit it to X number, maybe two, maybe four on a good month to go out. And it's not extravagant. And when I say that, it's not like two, $300 meals either. 
I know some of you just can't have a meal unless it's at least $200. I get it. That's you. God bless you. So dining out excessively can add up 50 to, let's just say $100 each time you go 10 times. Do the math. 100 times 10, $1,000 a month, $12,000 for the year, but you're saving for that wonderful vacation or to, for, to go to school uh, or that nice vacation in a car, but you can't because you ate it away. You ate it away. So budget and have some fun time out. And I treat fun as a separate item, uh, like fun activities, like uh, amusement park, stuff like that I call fun. Chuck E. Cheese, you know, fun. Golfing, stuff like that. And dining out separately. It's kind of rolled up. You can roll it up in one if you want. Because usually when you go out to do stuff, you eat, right? You eat out. So you get it. So moving on, seven, stuffitis. Kind of related to shopaholic. But stuffitis is just beyond going for clothes, jewelry, shows, uh, shoes, rather. But buying things all colors of the rainbow, just whatever, just just ends up junk, a lot of it. Uh, why do you need five red things, aprons, and three blue of this? It's like just stuff. And some of that may be out of uh, anxiousness or or some kind of a, a state of mind that you're, you're not in the right place. So you, people buy stuff, and I get it. So again, you may need to see a licensed professional for, professional for that. So anyway, whoa, losing my voice. <clears throat> so licensed professional or trusted friend or someone you can confide. And it, it's a habit, and it, it's maybe deep-rooted. So maybe something else going on, why people buy stuff. I get it. I think I've done that. Uh, next eight um, gadgets gadgets toys we call it big men and women toys not children's toys but gadgets fancy gadgets that we have to have especially Christmas is, I want to put a damper on Christmas but Christmas time is coming and and uh, they advertise all these uh they advertise all of these uh, gadgets that you can get, and uh, it, it's fine, you know. Um, I buy some here and there myself, but when you're a slave again to just buying for the next generation of something, you just bought it six months ago, now they have a new generation, boom, got to have it. And again, this is in the context, folks, that you're putting on a credit cards, you're going in debts, getting loans, borrowing this money from whoever, or you still have uh, goals or things like student loans or car, gas, food, essentials in life are being sacrificed, the future for today's gratification. So if you save for it, that's another story. Okay, saving. This comes straight from saving specifically for this item. You know, that's even better, and I recommend that large unnecessary purchases number nine and um you know you you just uh uh have to uh think is this necessary well i always wanted to and it's my money 
Well, again, folks, you know, if you're in a union, a uh, significant other or, and, or married, you need to take the family in consideration before you have a problem. And again, uh, you, you got to take it into the context of your world. So, you know, not to harp, uh, I want to pick on certain people, but let's say you're heavily in debt, but you just, you just got to get that boat heavily in debt, having paid off the other bills, buy a big motorhome, timeshare, land, big purchases, whatever that is. We already talked about expense, uh, cars, but how about very luxurious car that costs 80000 or you know 120000 and you, you're still struggling overall, the stress. So every time you get a raise, it shouldn't be going to this stuff, these things. It should be invested, saved, and a portion of that earmarked in the savings account for the special purchase. Nothing wrong with that. But don't gamble your children's future and your marriage or your relationship over this and your health, mental or physical. Gambling is another one. I gamble minimally. Some people heavily. And it's okay if it's your money and you, and again, depends on your goals. But excessive spending to gamble. You know, when you have to the mortgage payments coming up. And again, those who are addicted, there's a hotline. Encourage you to get some uh, uh, help, assistance with that if you have an addiction to gambling. And uh, But recreational gambling in your affordability zone is nothing like, not, no problem with that. No problem in your affordability zone. All of these things we mentioned, what can you afford? And lastly, small things matter. You say, well, I'm not getting a car, a fancy car, I can't afford a house, I can't afford uh, gadgets, I can't afford uh, toys, whatever. I'm not doing all of that, large purchases. I'm not doing that. All I expect every day is to go get my latte, my muffin, and my zingazabing, whatever that is. $10 for that. Five dollars for that, another five for this, and it's not even lunchtime. It may treat other people out. So we're talking probably about let's dumb it down, ten dollars, probably fifteen, twenty in the morning to get started. Can't can't survive without my, my coffee, Michael. Just can't. Well, you can make it at home or bring it to work. Lunch bag, lunch bag it, bring your stuff and then go out every so often. But some people I know every day, every day. Again, when you still need to buy some shoes, uh, their holes or, or clothes or car, student loans, all this other stuff, 401k, IRA investment, no money. They don't, people don't have money for 401k investment or uh, IRA or investments in general, index funds, but they can find money. For, they, for that latte, that coffee, tea, or whatever the drink of choice, whatever. I go down a list of drinks. It doesn't matter. Using that as a placeholder. So you got to think about these things. Money reapers, everything I talked today about is money reapers. Things that will suck the money right out of your wallet and purse. And more importantly, 
It'll rob you of the future you desire to have. So, please don't let the money reapers come after you. Please continue to download our podcast, uh, Powered by Raising the Cane. So please continue to support us. We appreciate you worldwide listeners here. So uh, look forward to the next exciting episode. All things money. Ciao.